You're listening to The Happy Hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez-Clary on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, welcome back here. 93.7 The Ticket, The Happy Hour. Nick Enrico with you. Good stuff in the first segment. We'll, we'll pick that conversation up uh, at 2.45 or around there after we do Nick Trivia. Uh, but right now we are joined by Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity, uh, like we are every Tuesday, talking uh, the exciting Husker men's basketball season. Uh, first, Jacob, h- hello. Uh, James Harden is out of Brooklyn. W- w- what's our thoughts on James Harden and Ben Simmons' fiasco? Uh, I... Honestly, I, I think everybody's better off now. It's we just need to get this over with. I somewhat enjoyed the chaos, and but at the same time, it's like I'd rather see these guys playing than not playing. Yeah, uh, just because it's better for the league and they're they're fun to watch. So um, I, I guess some people would argue with the Harden being fun to watch, but he, he's certainly capable uh, of putting on a show uh, depending on how the game's going. So um, I I don't I don't love the the fit between Harden and Embiid. But they're talented enough to make it work, and I'm sure they'll do a lot of staggering there and letting both guys kind of do their own thing. And um, and then in, in Brooklyn, we'll just kind of see what, what Simmons is able to do and when he's able to get back on the court and uh, how he's able to kind of adjust to, to playing with those guys because I think he's going to have to, to play a, a different role than the, the one that he had carved out for himself in, in Philadelphia. And ultimately, I think that that role is part of what led to the split with the 76ers. So hopefully... Um, everybody can kind of grow and be happier for this this change, uh, and it'll serve them both well moving forward, I hope. If Ben Simmons is healthy enough to play against the Sixers when the Nets and the Sixers play, who gets a technical first, Joel or Ben? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably Joel because he just seems more likely to do something. Um, ben, I think, well, I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's one that's going to come out and like say much during the game uh, mm-hmm. about it. Um, but we know Joel Embiid has no chill, so <laughs> I, I think he's probably the, the safe bet. I'm excited do, for that matchup. Do we believe that James Harden? Do we believe James Harden when he said that he's wanted to be in Philly all along, but it wasn't his choice? Uh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird. It seemed like he was interested in the the Harden team up and yeah. all that, and then got there and realized, you know what? I don't actually like this. So yeah. let's. <laughs> and get, get me somewhere else. Let me try something different. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Yeah, instantly got back into shape again. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the Huskers here. Pressure's really starting to mount for for Fred Hoiberg specifically. I mean, have we reached a point where it's like Fred Hoiberg's is just out of ideas to on how to fix this? It, it kind of seems like that may be the case. Just for whatever reason, this team is just not capable of sustaining positive play like the, they'll do things that work and then they just can't keep it up there's a little bit of pressure from the other team other team make a, a little bit of adjustment and then things just kind of completely fall apart on Nebraska's side and it may be the case that that's just who these players are and they're not capable uh, of kind of uh, in, uh, I guess kind of dictating the style of play and dictating what they're going to do is just kind of all reactive for the most part and um, when they're pushed out of their comfort zone, they're, they're not able to, to adjust and overcome. And that's kind of what we're seeing. Like, again, the, the, the Iowa game, that a, a lot, the defense was not good at all. Mm-hmm. But you look at 
Keegan Murray's uh, points. He had 24 in the first half. 13 of those were in transition, and nine of those were off of turnovers. So it wasn't just they were playing bad defense. It was. It really was. It really did start on Nebraska's offensive side uh, of the court. And defensively, they they don't have great matchups for Iowa. They don't really have anybody to, to guard Keegan Murray. But when you don't even force them to execute in the half court, you just got no shot when all you can do is run the floor and get dunks like, and, and ones and things like that. Like You're just not giving yourself a shot. So just the turnovers, the, the sped up, uh, the panicked plays, the, again, falling back and I got to go get this on my own type of plays, that seems to be the most consistent thing about this team for whatever reason. And Fred Hoiberg just hasn't found a way to, to break them of those habits, despite the fact that every time they do it, it goes poorly for them. Jacob, we, me and Nick have discussed this multiple times. We've gotten some pushback from the text line from some listeners. This this team has talent. Like the, the guys on this team are talented, right? It's just that for some odd reason, the talent doesn't seem to work together. Uh, yes and no. Like they've got some talented pieces, but you look over – Overall, like, how many of these guys would start at another uh, quality Big Ten team? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce, obviously. Uh, Verge wasn't even starting at a high major level before he came to Nebraska. Um, I, I think Derek Walker could uh, at some of those teams that, that don't have those superstars at the center, which seems to be half the conference. Uh, but beyond that, like, Trey, I think, could start for some places, but he's not a, a surefire Uh so, like, they just don't have uh, enough guys that would be difference makers at other Big Ten teams. And obviously, it's, it's not working at Nebraska. So, you look at something like rounding out some of these lineups, some of these guys just haven't been able to, to perform consistently at a high major level. I think Latman has kind of been one of the, the, the biggest disappointments this season. Uh, instead of building off of what he did last year in his first year at Nebraska, he's taken a step back and they haven't really had another option, especially with Wilhelm Breidenbach going down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just kind of had to ride with him. I, I think C.J. Wilcher has shown himself to be a high-major caliber uh, shooter, but you pair him with guys like Casey Tominaga and Kobe Webster, and then suddenly you've got a backcourt wh- where none of those guys can, can really guard at this level um, out on the perimeter. So it's just a combination of some of it is these guys aren't talented enough, they, they aren't quite what the the staff thought they were when they recruited them, or at least hoped they were. Um, and, and then the, the combination of them, uh, I think we've talked about this in the past, they're just too many guys where their weaknesses overlap and their strengths overlap as well. So the, the roster isn't versatile enough to adjust uh, to certain things and uh, different versatile teams. Uh, and it all just kind of combines to, to, to put together a one in 13 conference record or whatever it is now we're talking to Jacob Padilla of Hill varsity Fred said after the game on Sunday that they didn't play smart and we've heard that before we've heard that they didn't play smart we've heard that they weren't prepared they didn't come out with energy what does it tell you specifically about this program when the coaches know game after game what is going wrong what they're doing wrong and the coaches are aware of it but still can't figure out a way to fix it yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier, just with the, uh, it seems like every time things start to go wrong, they fall back into the same old traps, the same old bad habits. And that's what he's referring to with the not playing smart, with bad shot selection or 
trying to force something off the dribble that isn't there and turning it over or just making a, a careless pass, not, not anticipating what the defense is doing. And all these things lead to turnovers and bad shots and runouts and advantages for the other team. And we've seen that consistently throughout the season. And I don't, I don't know whatever Hoiberg has tried to do to, to kind of break them of these habits to try to he, – he talked about changing the offense, trying to mm-hmm. take on a little bit more control, obviously running things for Derek Walker. Um, he, he's tried some different things, but for whatever reason – the, whatever he's trying to do hasn't really clicked because we do see them uh, keep falling back into those same traps. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, maybe it's just at the point where that this is all these guys are capable of uh, as this collective unit. They just don't have guys that can kind of break through uh, and, and get over the hump and sustain. Again, we've seen them play well, but at the same time, you go back to that Minnesota game and I kind of broke it down and a lot of that was Minnesota giving Nebraska uh, opportunities. There were a lot of missed open shots or a lot of bad turnovers that led to, to good possessions for Nebraska. Um, when the other team isn't beating themselves, when they're forcing Nebraska to go out and earn everything, then Nebraska is the one that ends up beating themselves. Um, so it, it just things just haven't clicked uh, well enough this season, and Hoiberg hasn't found a way to kind of – I guess, coach the team beyond uh, or, or kind of make it better than the sum of its parts. A couple more before we let you go, Jacob. Nebraska has five games left. Is there a number of wins or an outcome in the Big Ten tournament where the needle can be moved for you personally on, like, the outlook of the program, I guess? Because, like, I was sitting, I was sitting there thinking about it earlier today, and, like, wins against Ohio State and Wisconsin don't, erase those memories of losses against Western Illinois and, and losing to a 500 team of Nor- in Northwestern at home in bar- an embarrassing fashion and losing to the ninth team in the Big Ten in Iowa, once again, being blown out. Uh, is there a number of wins or an outcome that can move the needle for you? Uh, not really. I'm, I, I, they got, what, six games left in the regular season? Plus, yeah, five uh, or, that, five or six, I can't team. remember. Yeah, yeah they, they added the, the Ohio State one. That's so, right, that's um, right. Because like, if they beat Maryland, does that really tell you anything? Uh, again, we saw them beat Minnesota and immediately fall right back down and get blown out at Iowa. So that, that win against Minnesota wasn't some launching off point like we were hoping it would be if, uh, if you're a Nebraska fan. It was just, well, they were due. They finally got one. They ran into a team that played worse than them on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that could happen against Maryland, and it ultimately could mean nothing moving forward. So that that's kind of the problem where you fall into dumb stretch here. Like, yeah, beating Maryland, beating Penn State, certainly possible, but um, it wouldn't really signify anything long term. They'd have to put together uh, a, a stretch here of winning, winning at winning three in a row, winning four in a row. Um, like that 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 would mean something because you're beating some good teams in there and you're sustaining success, which is something they haven't done all season long. So that I don't know that. Like, even if they went out from this point forward, it's still a really bad season and disappointing uh, considering what they were uh, hoping for coming into the year. And the chances of them doing that are very, very small. So I don't know what that number would be to to come away feeling better. At this point, it almost feels like um, there's not much they can do uh, realistically to to change the way you feel. But if, if they can put together a stretch where, all right, 
some things click and, and they play well for three, four games in a row and don't give these games away, then maybe you start to feel better. But, yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh, th- three wins – uh, three wins and we feel good. Uh, two or less wins and oh, that's over. We got to start over. I, I don't really, I don't know that there's a set number either way that could change. I think how how I view this program here heading into the off season. Yeah, last one before we let you go here. Uh, Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity is our guest. One of me and Rico's kind of arguments this whole season, but especially these last couple weeks, has been that it doesn't take much to make Husker hoops fans happy. Um, I mean, if you're winning 14 games or 15 games, PBA is full. If you get a first-round buy in the Big Ten tournament, people are happy. Are, are we finding out that those expectations might even be too high? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. There's no reason that they shouldn't be able to, to – fe- and it's not even – it's fans want to go out and watch a team that they can enjoy watching. Um, they don't want to see a team that just frustrates them. And that's mostly what this team has been. They've just been frustrated with the style of play, the decision-making, all that on top of the record. So it's not just the fact that they aren't an NCAA tournament team. It's the fact that they're not even fun to watch. And that might even be a bigger problem at this point. So like you can, I think Nebraska fans we've seen in the past, they'll, they'll support a, a mediocre to below-average team uh, if they go out there, they're playing hard, there's something that they can connect with whether it's local players, whether it's guys that came up at four years in the program, just something to tie them to the program um, that they can enjoy supporting the program. So I, I think that is kind of the bar. And then once you can clear that, then we can start thinking about, okay, where, where should expectations be? But that's what they have to get back to first. That's what they need to do to kind of get fans back on board. And they're going to need to get some wins to, to kind of get that rolling. Um, that, that's part of it for sure. But – Ultimately, you got to start with having a team that is fun to root for, uh, and then hopefully the, the wins will follow. Awesome, Jacob. Jacob, appreciate the time as always. Uh, thank you for for hanging on with us and, and talking some Husker hoops, even in the in the uh, down times in Nebraska men's basketball. Man, have a good rest of your Tuesday. All right, sounds good. Thanks. That is Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Appreciate his time as always. Um, and we get this off the text line: Why continue to spend any time breaking down basketball? If they win, it changes nothing. Broken record. Fred can't coach. Doc can't coach. Rinse. Repeat. I think there's been there's been times where Husker basketball or any sport. I mean, you can even talk about football. I guess is just played really really poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's we we still have to talk about it to an extent. But part of it also, this is bad. Like shockingly bad. Nobody expected this season to go this way, and so. And nobody knows really why this season is going this way. It's not as simple as just Fred can't coach. If you would have told me that Fred Hoiberg comes to Nebraska and doesn't have a yeah. single season at or above 500. Well, not even the 500. Get 10 wins. Well, that's, well I'm just saying like at five, like just 500. Yeah. Like if you would have told me Fred Hoiberg did not have a 500 season at Nebraska in mm-hmm. three, three years, yeah, four year, years. This is year three. I don't think I would have believed you. Yeah. And and that's why it's just so shocking right now. I, I understand, like, I, I was talking to Jacob before we went on the air, and I was like, yo, I, I know it's not fun to talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. But everybody is so confused on, one, why it hasn't worked, why it's not working. And number two, I mean, where, did the, where does the program go from here? It's the same thing with Husker football and Scott Frost. Where does it go if Scott Frost, like, 
that's not me saying who who are they going to be able to get to come. Are in. you saying that's that nobody not can do it if Scott Frost can't do it? I am not saying that, but I'm sitting here saying like that was the mindset back when we hired these coaches was oh if anybody's can do it here we go. Um, yeah, and so yeah, the same texture says yeah this is bad. I agree. I don't even know when they play anymore, and I'm a season ticket holder for 25 years. Hoof. That's, yeah, that's a big out. Yeah, and, and I want to make it clear, I was not coming at you, te- Texter. I, I was not. Like, I, I am in the same boat. I am in the in the same boat. That's why I laugh every time we bring on Jacob Padilla because I'm just like, <laughs> hey, Jacob. Hey, guess what? We have to we have to talk about this team. But um, hopefully, hopefully they they can squeak out a couple wins. All right, call now 402-464-5685. In the final segment, I want to put a bow on that Adrian Martinez thing because perhaps the most alarming thing for me personally is something else he said. Um, in that podcast and it had to do with uh, Scott Frost kind of their media uh, relations with during the press conference when they talked about his broken jaw I want to I want to kind of dive into that and we have to talk about women's basketball we're going to squeeze a couple things in in the final segment here on the happy hour download our app by searching 93.7 the ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are more of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.